Good to be back here. Now, last week, pretty echoey. Last week, um, we we're just doing a couple of week series on this grace uh, business. And for you who were here last week, um, uh, we had a few we had a few props, I guess you might say, here in the uh, in the hall. Uh, there was a high jump stand, the high jump bar over here with the with the um, the bar set at the world's at the world record. Do you remember how high that was if you were here last week? Tell those who weren't. 2.45 it was, which is getting pretty close. So 2.54 metres, which is um, pretty tall. Right, so that's taller than that's that's pretty tall. Now long jump, remember the long jump? Right, 8.95. So that's um, that was that was almost the length of this whole stage. Right, that's how long the high jump. And and we we started to introduce this whole concept of grace as. Uh, as something that, you know, often we compare ourselves to each other, often we, you know, you know, you might either look up to somebody and think, you know, what, I could never achieve what they achieve, or sometimes we look down on people and think, you know, well, they have to go a fair way before they're going to be good enough, and we talked about how all that sort of stuff is completely ridiculous. That's not how God measures stuff, and, and as some of the comments there in that video uh, demonstrated, that, that grace is something that's completely unfair, that God actually gives us, and if we really were going to have to try and jump the, you know, jump the bar or, or you know, go the distance as far as a long jump to, in order to achieve what God really needs us to achieve to get to heaven on our own, then you'd be jumping kilometres, you know, hundreds of kilometres, not just a few metres, and it's completely impossible without Christ. But yet, it's that grace that comes in and uh, and, and gifts us. Uh, that, that eternal lifetime stuff, and which is, I mean, just when you stop and think about that, you get your head around that, it's completely amazing. Okay, uh, today I guess I want to talk a little bit about um, what do we do with that? Because if you, some of us, I can, I can guarantee you there's some of us here today, uh, no matter if you've, if you've just walked into church again for the first time forever, uh, or you, you've been sitting in churches all your life and you've hardly missed a weekend, or you're somewhere in the middle, I can guarantee you that there would be a cross-section of us today who go, you know, it's all good and well to talk about this concept of grace and this God loves us so much and, and, and you know, it's just this abundant, you know, gift and it's all these nice and sort of pretty words, but we're just not feeling it. And it's just like, you know what, it just... I just I try and get into this Christianity thing. I try and understand it. <coughs> excuse me, understand this concept of grace. I try to experience it, but it's just where's God? So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, and that's that's where we're going to go with our our talk today. So there's sort of the punchline. Um, if you think that's enough, you can you can go whenever you like. But we'll talk about it a bit more in depth. All right, who here has had a bad day recently? Any bad days going on? All right, who has had like a cracker of a bad day, like, you know, in the last... Yeah, some, some of them are like, you know, <laughs> a few little leaves on their hands, they can hardly get their hands off the, off the, off the chair. Um, a while ago now, I remember one of, you know, in some of your bad days, you know, maybe it's you just woke up and had a fight with your brother or sister, or, or maybe it was, you know, your, your kids have given you just like a crazy hard time, and... Um, or I won't say anything about the husband and wife thing, we'll just leave that alone, but, uh, you know, maybe it's a work scenario where, where, you know, where you're just trying to do the right thing and someone else is on top, you know, like someone else is sort of pounding you or your boss is giving you a hard time. Uh, sometimes it's your fault, sometimes it's not. Uh, I remember 
I was just thinking about this when I was putting this talk together a few years ago. Um, a few years ago now, but I was, I was uh, working on a farm, working on a property, and uh, we, had a, we had a tractor, and on the back of the tractor we were going to set up a forklift um, attachment. So it's not a normal forklift. Like, I know this might be a bit techy or whatever, and some of you are like already going to sleep, but let me just explain because it sort of lights me up. Um, <laughs> so you've got a tractor, right? So a big wheel, you know, just imagine a big wheel here, and the tractor's facing this way, and on the back of the tractor is a forklift, like, you know, like forks that go up and down, okay, you can imagine that. And, and so it's like, a, it's not a real forklift, okay, but it's just like a, something you do on the farm just because you've got a tractor and all that sort of stuff. So we were attaching this, and um, the boss was with me, and I'd only not long started at this, this prop on this farm, on this property, and, and he, he gets this attachment, and it's got, a, you know, it's got all these linky jams and stuff like this, is where you're all going to sleep, and hoses and stuff, anyway. And, and he, but he said to me, he said, oh, you've got to be really careful because these things can break windows. And, and, you, and on a forklift, you understand, like, if you, if you tilt it back a bit, like, your load won't fall off, you sort of get that. All right. Well, that's what it has. It has a tilt, tilt arm on it, so load doesn't. And that tilt arm, if it comes back too far, can come through the back window and smash the back window. Anyway, so he said, "Oh, we've got to do this and this and this, and to set it up so it doesn't break windows." And so that's fine. And he said, "Before we do that, I'm going to slow down the hydraulics, and that which, that's the thing that makes the stuff go up and down, because otherwise it gets a bit hairy." And I said, "Oh, it'll be right. All right, it'll be right." I'll just go real slow. And, and, and he sort of said, no, don't do it. And I thought, oh, I'll just do it anyway because like, I'm pretty gentle. I'm pretty, you know, a nice little touch here. And I just touched the... And I'm sitting in the cab of the tractor like this, looking back, and I, and I just touched the hydraulics and this boom of the, or the, the mast of this forklift um, come through the window at great knots. And I remember a piece of glass must have like bounced off the windscreen, off this window and, and sort of wedged itself between my ear and my head. And then... It hit the, 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 the mast hit my head and my ear and there's like glass just goes like just, you know, like that real little pieces of glass everywhere, just goes all through the cab of this tractor and there's like glass all over the ground and just, there's just glass everywhere and I'm just like, just, and we just make eye contact with the boss, you know, it's just like, this is not good. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, it's that, you know, a sinking feeling, it's just like, oh, no, you know, what, oh, like you just, there's no words, it's just, You've got nowhere to go, you know how it's a bad day. And I remember getting down to the tractor, I picked up this really greasy, oily rag that's all around, you know, held it to the ear, and I started pulling, anyway, it doesn't matter, it was pretty nasty, nasty. it's all blood everywhere. But you have a bad day. And there's some of those, and this might not be a very good example of, okay, God's not with me, but, but you know, there's some of those times you have a really bad day, or... Um, or indeed, you might not have even really found Christ yet, but you're just like, where is Christ? Surely, surely, if, if there is a God, bad stuff like that wouldn't happen to good people. And there's plenty of people who ask that question, you know, surely if there's a God, how can this sort of stuff happen to me? How can this grace, you know, we're talking about this amazing love, and people like me stand up the front here, and we say just like, oh, you'll never experience anything better than the love of Christ, and, and which I believe is true still, don't get me wrong. But we just... Some of us who sit there, and all of us, I think, during some time in our life, will sit there and just think, it's nice to say, but I just don't get it. I'm just not feeling it. I just, it's, where is God? He's, he's, he's absent, he's gone, he's silent, he's not there. Um, so, what we're going to do today, we're going to go, ask a couple of questions. The first question is, what is God doing when he appears silent to us? What is he doing? And the second question is, what can we do? All right, so there are our two questions. There are two questions we're going to try and answer today. 
What is God doing when, during those periods of silence, during those periods when it seems like, like, where is God? And like I said, that might be, you might be a solid as Christian and you still go through those seasons of life. It's just like bad stuff happens and you're praying flat out about it and you, you know, you, you just, you want God to intervene and he doesn't or he doesn't seem to. What is God doing during those times? And the second one is, during those times, what are we going to do? What's our response going to be? Um, and I guess the point is that we should never, to start with, we should never confuse God's silence for God's absence. Let me say again, we never confuse God's silence for God's absence. So even though sometimes we're not feeling it, doesn't mean he's not there. Don't take just your experience and make that the fact of what's happening. And here's, here's sort of the reason why. Um, as, soon as, as soon as we start doing that, as soon as we start, I guess, presuming that, well, you know, I can't hear him, I can't feel him, I, I just, he's not there, then we start to make decisions on our own. We start to move away, I guess, from, from what God probably would like us to do. And that really only ends up in making decisions that we probably will later on regret and our quality of life goes downhill. And if we, if, yeah, if we start doing that, um, we'll find ourselves probably in a spot of bother. But if we can stay solid with Christ, then, then we'll see stuff happen. Um, you know, it's like everyone, everyone has those times when they look back on a situation and go, oh, yeah, in hindsight. Oh, that looks so much better in hindsight. Or, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. Or, oh, if only I had of in hindsight. You know, like, oh, I made this and this decision. Oh, if only I had of known, you know, in hindsight. Hindsight's so fantastic. But we're going to look at how that figures with this whole, um, this whole grace thing and, and where's God's grace when? Where's God's grace when, when it seems like he's, he's really deathly silent we just can't find Christ? Uh, God may be silent, but he's never still. I, wanna, I don't know if you've got a Bible. If you don't, that's okay. And this doesn't really work if you've got, a, if you've got an electronic Bible, okay? But that's cool. I'll, I've got one up here and I'll demonstrate. Uh, it sort of, I mean, it does work, but... If you go to the very first chapter of the New Testament... Now, this book, the Bible, is... It's not just... It's a whole volume of books, okay? It's a whole heap of little books. It's not even in chronological, chronological order. But it's, it's a whole heap of books all put together. But it, but it is separated in two sort of two volumes. The Old Testament, that's sort of the stuff that all happened before, before Jesus was born, and, and then the New Testament, which is stuff that's happened uh, after uh, Jesus was around. But if you, look, if, you look into, if you look into the Bible, and you go to that very first chapter of Matthew, which is the very first, um, the very first pages of the New Testament, and you look in that, you go to, you know, if you have a Bible, you can do this, go to Matthew, um, and then you flick back one page, and you, unless there's a few notes or something in your, in your actual Bible, but the last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. And you look there and there's, just, there's a page between the two. But what does that page or what does that gap in the middle represent? It actually represents about four, or a bit over 400 years of history in the middle where, where there appears like there is there's no... You know, in the Old Testament, God sent along a messenger and he sent along some advice and people talked and wrote stuff and, and certainly did things. But here we have this period in history that we certainly don't have any record of and, and we'd sort of presume if there was, if God really did send someone along, we, we may have some record. 
But there's certainly, there's nothing in the Bible that indicates that God really was too vocal. In fact, God was silent for these 400 years, as best we know. What happened in those 400 years? Where was God? Did he just like abandon ship? Did he just think, no, you guys are, you know, because he had his like chosen nation, you know, the old Israelite scenario, if you've you know, if you've heard of them before, you know, they were like God's special people and, and, and he used to send, you know, special messengers along to them and say, look, this is what you need to do to stay in line with God and it's the best way to live and if only you did that, then you'll be, you know, you'll be sweet. All that sort of stuff. But we don't hear of that during this period of time. So did he, like, give up on them because they just were, they were off the, you know, they were off the scale and, and, and there's, there's nothing more to add? Um, or was he doing stuff? And then if we go over to Matthew... And we look in the first, the first verses of Matthew chapter 1. It's probably the most boring part of the Bible, actually, if you ever want to read that. Because uh, it starts off like this. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez, etc., etc. And it goes on for quite some time, just like that. And, and like, I don't know if you've just sort of ever studied that in depth, I doubt it. Um, because what do you do? It's just like, it's like a genealogy. or it's like a, it's like a family tree. But when you think about this, when you think about this for a little bit, where's God in this middle? Where's God in this 400 years? Where's God in the middle of the Old Testament and New Testament? Now, Abraham, he, he, he's back over here, a fair way back to, towards the start of the Old Testament. But, but Matthew lists all the people who were involved basically building up and coming to Jesus Christ himself. Mary and uh, Joseph, the parents, of, the parents of Jesus, the earthly parents of Jesus, and then Jesus himself, and that's the genealogy of Christ, that's what Matthew does there. But all of a sudden you have these people who, who are living during this, like if you look through that time, there's, there's people who are living through this time. So even during this silent time, Jesus is still active. Sorry, God is still active. The, the, God is still at work. Um, about, there's, and there's other things in history as well that, that really actually contribute towards the life of Christ. And if you think about this for a little bit, if you, if you, if you think about, uh, cast, your, cast your mind back to what it might be like back in, you know, three 400 BC, uh, think about what life, lifestyles were like, what the life was like if you lived back in, you know, 350 BC, um, what was communication like, what were, your, what were the roads like, what was transport like, all those sort of things, and they're pretty, probably pretty primitive. In fact, if you look at some of the characters that lived during that time, uh, you look at um, about 360... Now, I'm no historian, all right, so if I get this wrong, just please forgive me. I uh, can extend some grace, that'd be great. Um, but about 360, 350 BC, Alexander the Great comes on the scene. Now, Alexander the Great was this young guy who, who just, I guess, loved going to war and just loved conquering stuff. So he basically just conquers the known world. Um, in fact, I think once he... Once he does that, he, you know, and can't find anyone else to, to knock off their perch, he basically gets real sad because, like, what is, what is there left to do in life? You know, like, he's about 33 years old and he's like, oh, man, it's boring because there's no one else to kill, basically. Um, so, so he gets all depressed. Um, but, but a few things that he does, and this is, this is sort of interesting. One thing that he does is he, he actually wants to put Greek culture throughout the world and the Greek language, the Cohen Greek language, and so he, he, actually, he actually puts this language, wherever he goes, he spreads the language. Because he dominates, the language goes with it. You could sort of imagine that. And you think, Neil, where are you going with this? Well, hang on a minute. If, uh, then after he, after he was knocked off his perch eventually by the Romans, the Romans came in and, and they did a couple of things. Um, 
they built a lot of roads. They did a lot of transport. They did a lot of... Um, uh, also, one thing, they, they tried to put law and order into place. Um, there's a thing called uh, Pax Romana, which basically means peace, okay? So stop, stop warring factions. So they're sort of under one rule and, and stop these little warring factions. Okay, saying, where, where are you going with this? Well, let me tell you. When Jesus Christ came on the scene and offered this grace, this grace that we're talking about that's so amazing, that's so, like, he came in and he, and he died on the cross because up until then, you know, it was really unsure about how, well, unless you're a Jew and you sort of really had that ceremonial thing going on, but, but he came in and he said, I'm going to offer, like, absolute eternal life for absolutely anyone who wants it. I'm going to offer this amazing love, like, you just cannot get your head around how much forgiveness I will offer. In fact, I love, you know, in that whole, you know, he loved us before we even sort of thought about Christ, all that sort of stuff, and he came in. And that, that death on the cross, that story of salvation, all of a sudden just boomed around the world. And you think about this for a minute. What language was they, what, what, what language were they talking? What language was the, was the New Testament written in? Hand up, anyone know? Greek, all right. Now, who knew Greek in that known world? Everyone. How did they get there? on the roads that the Romans made. Were they able to travel? Yeah, because there was, there was, I wouldn't say it was completely peaceful, but there was sort of this, this peace around it. Maybe, just maybe, maybe even when God was silent in this example, in this little example, even when God was real silent, in the, like you think 400 years of no God, I mean, certainly no direct contact like they used to have. Even in this really, really silent time, God is still working in the background. God's setting stuff up. God's, God's got a plan. And when Jesus Christ comes on, when Jesus comes into the scene and he dies on a cross and he has this fantastic news, there's this platform in place, and maybe God really had this all orchestrated, there's this platform in place that it just, it just spread like wildfire, had the opportunity to spread like wildfire. Um, so I guess the first, point, um, the first point we want to make is that even when God is silent, he's still at work. And I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what it is for you in your life. I don't know what, you know, everyone has, we all come at life all differently and, you know, from still doing high school to finished school to having families to wherever you are. We have those periods of time when God feels silent. But, but what is he doing? Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. Just because we're going through a season of, season of silence so we can't pick on uh, you know we can't find a place where God is, is at work in our life doesn't mean that he's not there and so I guess you know the first question was well what, what is God doing well God is still at work God still God still does a whole heap of stuff so the second question is what are we going to do about it how are we going to respond to that um, and this I guess where it starts getting a little, sort of little bit personal towards us and, and towards what we can do now um, I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 4. Uh, I didn't tell the fellows up the back about what verse I was going to use, sorry. But Galatians 4 verse 1 to 5, we're just going to read through that. So if you do have a Bible or you've got your phone out or whatever, just look that up. We might be able to grab, this on, grab it up on the screen here in a minute. Um, but we're going, to answer, we're going to try and answer the question, what, what do we do when God is silent? Now, just leading up to this Galatians, Paul is, uh, Paul is one of these guys that uses the Romans' roads and he's, he's off all over the place as a, as a missionary or as someone who spreads God's word. You know, he, he, he lived 
and, and worked and done all of his work after the life of Christ. Um, and he's writing here, this is this Paul character who's writing to the people of Galatia. And so this is the book of Galatians, okay? So it's, a, it's actually a letter to these group of people. Uh, we've got thanks fellas up the back. Um, and and he, he sort of, just before this in this chapter, just to give you a little bit of background, he is, um, he's talking about people being the children of Christ and all that sort of stuff. And he's trying to explain how, how, how awesome it is to be actually part of God's family. And you know, that every single individual, no matter who you are, can have that. Verse 1. Now think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. In other words, okay, he's just using a little example here. Let's say if a, a, if a parents die or a father dies here and, and there's a, he might have been a wealthy father, he's saying basically the children can't really tap, children can't use that until they grow up. The children haven't got possession of all that stuff until they grow up. Um, even though they actually own everything their father had. Makes sense so far, yeah, get that? Maybe, making sense. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age the father set. All right, so if fathers, you know, put in the will, all right, when, I, when they turn 18, they get given the trust, you know, trust funds, all that sort of stuff. All right, makes sense. And that's the way it is with us before Christ came. We were like children, we were like slaves in the basic spiritual principle of this world. All right, so he's putting it back on us, he's putting it back in a spiritual sense. But when the, but when the right time came... God sent his son, born of a woman, that woman, subject to the law. God sent, in verse 5, uh, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us for his very own children. In other words, what it's saying here in verse 4, and then in verse 5, when the time was right, and we're talking about this whole silence in God. Where, where's God? Where is this grace? We talk about this grace, but like, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not getting it. I don't, like... I'm not experiencing it. People talk about it, and I go to church even, or I hang out with some Christians, and I'm just like, I tried it, don't feel it, don't see it. But here Paul especially is saying, God is at work. God is still at work even in the silence. God is still doing stuff. Um, when God... Uh, when, we're only, when we can only hear God's silence, when we can only feel like his presence I guess the thing for us is we need to trust sorry if we only feel his absence the thing we need to do is trust his presence to actually trust that he he is still right there with us how are we going to do that that's reality like we can talk about this all day long how are we going to make this stick how are we going to how can I if if I'm going through a time when I just don't get God when I just like you know there might be health issues at home there might be there might be a problem with your work, you know, you're unemployed or you can't find the right work or, or you try and your boss gives you a hard time or no matter what you do, you can't get out of school, I don't know, whatever it might be, you know, exams are coming, it's like, ah. No matter what it is, but no matter what you're going through and you can't seem to get away from stuff, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, here's, a, here's an idea. If God is still at work, if God, even in his silence, is still at work in your life, he's still at work in your community, in, you know, you know, in this world, if, if we believe that, if we truly believe that, what are we going to do? How are we gonna, what, if, what, what if we did 
What if you do? What if I do? What if we did what a person who truly believed what I just said, truly believed that God is at work, did? Let me say it again. All right, probably confused you. How do I make this happen? What if I did, even in the silence, what if I did what any person who really believed that Christ was still at work did and went about doing that? All right, so even though I don't get it, but what if I still acted as if Christ was still out? I still pray to God. I still, I still, I still every day go to Him. I still every day go to the Bible and I, and I, and I look for what, what advice He can give me. I still, I still live by His guidelines. I still go, you know what, I understand that, that Christ is, is right there for me. Um, what if I did that sort of stuff? Even though I'm like, I'm just not getting it. Because I think then when we put these two together, when we understand that, you know what, God is still at work and couple that with I'm still going to live a life according to the plan of God even though right right now in this moment I used to get it maybe but I don't quite get it right now but I'm still going to try and do that I'm still going to wait as Paul would describe here I'm waiting for that inheritance I'm waiting for the time to come when God's going to show up again not that he ever goes away like that as such don't get me wrong but when God's going to reveal himself he's got a plan what if I did that I remember um you know, I, I understand uh, that we do go through these seasons of life when it just when stuff crumbles around us. I remember, um, I guess I'll just share one of my experiences. When I, when I was a young person, just finished school, like you guys over here, um, all I wanted to do was go back to the farm. That was my thing. I uh, went to uni, did four years of study at, at, at uni to, to do agriculture, like to become like some sort of professional farmer um, or something like that. Um, like we even had like tractor driving lessons and things. That was pretty exciting. Um, he had a back of trailer. It was awesome. It was a bit, a bit more detailed than that, I might say. But you know, um, but you know, that's what I wanted to do, and and that was that was that was that was my ambition for life. Um, I know I was shooting for the stars. I know that, like all that sort of thing. But uh, and then God called me. God asked me. Like he he said, Neil. But he didn't say the words. I didn't hear him. But I just really felt God said, oh, I want you to go and be a pastor. And I'm just thinking that is just very left field, that's just out of control, that's, that's way weird, argued with, for a God, argued with God for a while, he won, I went, I, went and studied, um, I went and studied to be a pastor and that was all, sort of got my head around that but I had a pretty big problem and my problem personally was that I, I struggled like I really, really struggled to stand up in front of people and talk, okay uh, I remember when I first went to university, this is to study agriculture, part of, you know, as pretty much with any university course, one of your subjects, communications, okay? So it's just standing up and, and doing a, a speech. Okay, you do it at school, uh, but we had to stand up and do a speech. Now, the, the brief was that we had to talk about any topic of our choice and it had to go for five minutes. That was it, all right? That's the assignment. Stand up in front of class, five minutes, and I remember thinking, all right, I can do that. That's, that's, not, too, that's not too big. This is like the first, first week. And it was only in a tute, like it was a tute class. There's like 20 people, so it's just like, you know, maybe this... Front, you know, front section here in the middle. It wasn't too many people, just your classmates. So I stand up the front, and I've I've done a bit of prep. I thought five minutes, that's not long, and so any topic of my choice, I choose I chose um, feral pest destruction, and because um, that's what I was into, and and I just thought, what I'll do is, it's a very farming thing. What I'll do is, uh, I'll just put some points down, like some dot points. And uh, I would stand up and I would talk about these four dot points. 
And, and I remember just like thinking, it's crazy, all right? Other people got up first, chat, 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 you know. It's, there's no content, there's no, there's no marks for content. It's just, just getting people up the front and just getting people used to it. And I, it was my turn. I wasn't too worried until I stood up. And when I stood up to talk about feral pest extraction, I, um, I, I remember just looking and it's just like, it just froze up. Like, it's just like, you know, just did the whole... And I thought, well, go to the notes, you know, I've got the notes, go to the notes. So I went to the notes and I looked at my notes and it's just like, literally, it's like someone else has written these things and like, I have no idea what they're talking about. And I just like, uh, you know, and I'm like, you know, you look around the room, you look down, you look up and you think, oh man, and it's like 30 sets of eyes just like burning, you know, at you and the heat's just turned right up because it must have been because like sweat starts coming out and you're just like, man, what is this? This is like, a, this is the easiest assignment you'll ever get, you know? And it's just like, and I just had nothing, so I just thought, well, I'll just read my first dot point, which was about five or six words. I can't remember what the dot points were, but I know I had four. And so I just read the first dot point thinking, that's going to jog my memory, and I'll be right. I'll just flow after that, and I'll just, just talk on. Read the first dot point. And I looked up again, and all those eyes are still just looking at me, right? They didn't go away, and I just had nothing else. And so I read the second dot point, like the next three or four words. Like, this didn't make even make any sense to anyone else, nor me. And I remember third dot point, and I'm going, hang on, we're in trouble here, like, I'm, I haven't even got to 30 seconds yet, and like, stuff there's 40, uh, fourth dot point, sit down, that's it. That was, that was my, that was my public, first lot, you know, first, first shot at public speaking. Um, and, and that's, that's where I came from, and then, and then God says, oh, how about you going to be a pastor, Neil? And I was thinking, are you kidding? Like, this is just ridiculous. Anyway, so I did, I went, and, you know, I went and studied to be a pastor and all that sort of stuff, and tried to learn how to speak. And, and Jace Brody was in some of my first classes. You probably actually had to sit through a few of them, Jace. Sorry about that. Um, uh, but I remember I went down to Tasmania and uh, as to work as a pastor, and as as my first sort of official job as a church pastor. And I remember going down there, and, and every Saturday morning, um, when I had to get up to speak, I remember like just absolutely freaking out, like I still hadn't got over this problem of standing up in front of people. And to the place where I, I was just, I'd pray, God, just do one of two things. One, get me out of here, <laughs> or B, like take this, take this fear away, like where are you, God? Like I remember just praying, God, where are you? Like I'm, I'm here trying to serve you, God. I'm not, I'm not, there's no selfish ambition here, like if I had my way, I'd still just be out in the tractor by myself and, and I'm quite happy with that. But like here I am in front of people, like there's no, like, I'm here to try and, you know, do what I can to serve you, God. Where are you, God? And I remember praying that, like, where are you? Why won't you show up? And I honestly felt, this is, and this is how I described it at the time, and, and I honestly felt with all my heart, I just felt like God had hung me out to dry. Like, I just felt like he's just, like, he's just left me there. To the point where, it was about six months after I first started my, my official preaching role, I was like, I can't do this, and I left. I said, I failed. And sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes you just, no matter how hard you pray, no matter what you do, God just doesn't seem to show up. And you get, you get angry with God, and you get frustrated with God, you can get silent with God. I remember one time, I think Sarah might have even told us, my wife Sarah, for those who may not know, um, she was going through a bit of a hard time once and and I have a bit of a laugh about it because she went, she basically did the no speak thing. I'm not talking to God. If he won't answer my prayer, I'm not speaking to him. And uh, that's when I reminded her that, like, God does know what you're thinking as well. And she was, like, pretty cranky about that. Like, that's like cheating, you know. But, but you know, like, but, but what, you know, this, these frustrations, like, I get it's real. 
these seasons of dry times, these places where God doesn't seem to show up. What do we do with them? I remember when I left Tassie, I thought, you know what, even though I've had a pretty rough experience and packed the family up, moved back to the farm, that's because that's just what I did, that was all right. But um, even during those times, I, was, I thought, you know what, I still, I don't want to lose the whole experience, this whole God thing. That, that was, I was still very strong with God, but I just didn't, didn't know, didn't have a clue what he was trying to achieve here. I didn't get it. I couldn't see the big picture. And I think that's what happens to us. We, we can't see the big picture. God is at work. And this is the whole thing. With this whole grace stuff, even though we can't feel it, even though sometimes we can't see it, other times we do. Other times it's just so plain. And, we can, and, and there are plenty of stories, if even if we just took, not going to, but if we just went around the room and said, give me a time when you really felt God's love, man, there'd be hands going up everywhere. But probably the same people who had their hands up could also think of times when I just couldn't find God. I just didn't know what he was doing. He was just like, he just left me. It appeared that way. But the two points, God is never still. Even when it appears that he's not there, he's still at work. He's still moulding things in the background. He's still shaping things. And, and, and when we can get to a place where we can look back, then you can see all these steps. And I can look in my own experience of, of what my ministry, how my ministry started, which was pretty checkered, I guess, in some regards. I can look back and just think, wow, how much did I grow from that? How much did I learn from that? And those experiences that I had, like you just think, yeah, a bit painful at the time, but like, wow, amazing. When we're going through dry spells, when we're going through times when it appears God is silent, what if, what if we all, what if we all could understand what Paul said here, where he said, it's like, an, it's, when the time is right, God will, God will do his thing. But till then, just be faithful. Just do what any person would do who truly had that confidence that God is still at work. So even though you don't get it, even though you don't understand it, just, just, this is the practical thing. This is something that you can do today. This is something that you can do tomorrow. This is something you can do on Monday when your routine gets back into, you know, you're back to the working week or whatever you might do. Just, if you are going through that, if you are going through that right at this moment, or if you do happen to go through that in the not too distant future or whenever it is, say to yourself, I'm still going to do what any person would do if they were truly confident that Christ was still at work, even though they couldn't see it. And when you put those two together, when God still is at work, when we, when we can understand when God still is at work, and when we can still go about our job, our daily life, still 100% confident that God is doing his thing, even though we can't see it, even though we can't understand it, you will come out the other end and you will look back and you think, wow, what a ride, what a story to tell, what a journey of faith. And you can look through the Bible and there's lists of people who followed Christ in that manner, who couldn't see, couldn't see the big picture, couldn't understand whatever, what was happening, but they were still faithful. And they're the people that, they're the people we write, they write stories about. Absolutely normal people, every, absolutely everyday people but were able to maintain a, a situation where they, where they were so confident that God was still at work, that they lived their life accordingly, and God was able to use that in a powerful, powerful way. So, I guess in summary of these couple of weeks of grace, you know, we, God is offering us something pretty special. We can't jump over the bar, we can't reach, we can't reach perfection ourselves, we can't reach the standard that He needs for us to happen 
all by ourselves. But he comes in way before he, way before, way before we even chose to love him, he loved us more than we can imagine. And even if you can't feel it, even if you're a brand new Christian or, you, or you're just sniffing around the edges of this Christianity thing, even if that's you, to understand that he, he is at work. And, and the other great thing, and this is what I love about Refresh, this is what I love about faith communities generally, no matter who you are, is that when we come together, when we come into one place, there are people who, who are having some ex- fantastic experiences with God right now. And there might be someone else who's just going through the driest of times. But when we come together, we can go, oh, wow, well, he's still at work over there, so he still must be... And when we... you understand what I'm saying? He still must be going. And if I'm going through a dry time and you're telling me a story about how great God is, then to go, oh, well, he's, he's still around. And it's, it's so encouraging. And I think that's part of why we do church that's why we do faith community and we can share that and you know to share those stories with each other uh is is such a a powerful way to encourage each other to 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 continue on during those times and and to get to the place where we can really understand just how amazing grace is let's pray together heavenly father thank you so much um i guess in some ways we 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 may not even want to admit that, but we do thank you for the, for the times when, we, when you aren't there and that, that when we can grow, when we can, when we can stay, um, I guess, really close to you and see the results of what faith can do. And we want to thank you even more, I suppose, that you offer this amazing grace, this grace that we cannot even describe, this, this unfair love, this, this acceptance, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no, what, no matter what our background is, that's that you love us to bits and that you want us to be close to you and you want us to be you know, face-to-face with you in heaven uh, one day real soon. So we just we want to thank you for it. We can't say enough of how much we appreciate that. And I pray that if there's people here who may not have experienced that, that, that other people around us, that we can encourage them in their journey and that uh, they can, I guess, experience the love that you have in a real and tangible way. So please reveal that to us, please. Thanks, Lord. Amen. Well, thank you, Refresh family.